0: So I have two readings tonight. The first one, you may be wondering what it has to do with the Divine Mother, but stay with me. Second reading is from the Autobiography of a Yogi. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now the second reading is taken from the autobiography of a yogi, and Yogananda's retelling a story when maybe he was 17, 18 years old, and he had a strong devotion even then to the Divine Mother. Let me just put this little footnote in. There's two aspects to the reality that we call God. God beyond creation, God transcending creation, God beyond any thought, word, or concept. But then there's the personal God, the God that shows up in time and space through individuals who are totally transparent to that God. So God is both impersonal, but has a personal dimension also. And so for Yogananda, it was the Divine Mother that spoke to him as the personal face of God. And he heard about this teacher whose name was Lahiri Mahashaya not the same Lahiri that's in our lineage but a different Lahiri who was very devoted to the divine mother and had visions of the divine mother so he was anxious to meet him and yogananda walked in when he was communing with the divine mother and so he said to yogananda little sir please be seated i'm talking to my divine mother And Yogananda said, silently, I sat in the room with great awe. Holy sir, I ask for your intercession. Ask Divine Mother if I have favor in her sight. He said, I will make your plea to the beloved later on. Yogananda left and he said, my steps were eager as I returned to my home. Seeking the seclusion of my small attic, I remained in meditation until 10 o'clock in the evening. The darkness of the warm Indian sun was suddenly lit with, with a wondrous vision. Haloed in splendor, the Divine Mother stood before me. Her face, tenderly smiling, was beauty itself. And she said to him, always have I loved you. Ever shall I love you. Well, the next morning came, and Yogananda wanted to test Lahiri, so he didn't tell him about the vision. So he goes to him and says, Well, did you ask the Divine Mother? And Lahiri said, Must you test me? Might I add a single word this morning to the insurance you received last night at 10 o'clock from the beautiful mother herself? Yogananda was astounded that he knew, and he wanted him to be his guru. And he said to Yogananda, and I'm going to get back to this final piece in a little bit, I am not your guru. He shall come later. Through his guidance, your experiences of the divine in terms of love and devotion shall be translated into his terms of fathomless wisdom. Hi, right, so let me just start here. God is the absolute synthesis of everything that is true, beautiful, and good. God is the absolute synthesis of masculine and feminine energies. Now, let me just say this so I don't get emails from people. Don't reduce masculine to men and feminine to females. We're talking about complementary energies. The goal for all of us is to have a balance of the masculine and the feminine in our lives. But God is the synthesis, the unity of these two energies. And when that beam of divine light enters into time and space and goes through the prism of creation, it bifurcates into masculine and feminine energy. And if our lives are going to be complete and whole, if our religion, our spirituality is going to be complete and whole, it has to have a synthesis of these two energies. Go back to the beginning of Genesis in the Bible. God It says God created them Adam and Eve, male and female, in his image. So, again, if our spirituality is going to be healthy, it has to have this balance, this synthesis of the masculine and the feminine. When religion and spirituality does it, if it's just the masculine, it becomes very legalistic, it becomes very institutionalized, It becomes very oppressive, authoritative, fundamentalistic. But without the masculine, it can become overly sentimental. And it can devolve into something that has no strength. So again, it's all about the synthesis. And what we do here at the Assisi Institute is we honor God as father but also as mother. And the two forms of the Divine Mother we honor are Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Ananda Moyama, the great avatar from India in the 20th century. All right, so let me kind of break this down now in a way that we can really begin to see how it fits in our life. Most of you know Swami Nirvanananda, right, our Italian Swami as we refer to him. Vicki and I will be in Italy next week at this time, and we will be with him next Thursday night. He comes here once a year. And I think he is very saint-like. I have no problem saying that, and I don't say that lightly. And when you're around Swami Nirvanananda, there's an infectious life that he has. There's this infectious joy. There's a French word called vital ilan. It's It's this spiritual aliveness And again, when you're in his presence, you feel it. It comes through his music. It comes through his smile. It comes through his laughter. It comes through his teaching. There's just this beautiful, life-giving energy. That's the energy of the divine feminine. That's the energy of the mother. Think about motherhood just on on a very human basis. What's true below is true above. What do mothers do? They beget life. They give life. But it's not just true biologically. It's true spiritually. I used these words a couple weeks ago. Let me bring them back. They're biblical words and one from Sanskrit. The Sanskrit word is Shakti. And it means divine feminine energy. The Jewish word is "shekinah," And I may not be pronouncing it right. It's the glory and the dynamic presence of God, and it's a feminine word. In Christianity, it's the Holy Spirit. The giver of life is how the Holy Spirit is referred to. And it's a feminine term. So religion and our spirituality comes alive when it's imbued with that divine feminine with that spirit with that shakti with that vital elan that energy that gives life and when you're in that energy you want to be in it you want to stay in it and then the more you have it the more you want to give it away to people without even trying it just exudes from you You know, one of the saddest things, and I'm not against institutional religion, don't misunderstand me. But one of the saddest things is when I go to an institutional like church, and the grace of the Divine Mother is not there. That vital elan is not there, it's kind of dead. The words are all right, the words are good most of the time, but that energy is missing. And it always makes me sad. Part of the mission of the Assisi Institute is to nurture, nurture that that grace, that energy of the divine mother. So as Yogananda said, we become a hive of love and grace. This is like the, the mother center for our particular outreach but we always have to keep that grace and that energy of the divine mother alive within us or we have nothing to give. So are you getting me, what, what I'm talking about with this? Are you getting a sense of it? All right, so I got a couple quotes I want to read from Yogananda where he describes some of the qualities of this divine mother's love. And let me share this story before I do that. I want you to see this is not just when we're talking about the Divine Mother, we're not just talking about some impersonal uh, energy. We're not just talking about some archetypal image. That the Divine Feminine gets embodied in certain souls. So some of you may know who he was when I say John Paul II. He was the Catholic Pope two Popes ago. He was from Poland. And he was very, very, very devoted to the Blessed Mother. And my foster parents, who actually lived in a monastery for 10 to 15 years with cloistered nuns, uh, they told me this story, that one of the nuns had gone to Rome when he was pope and took a picture. And when the picture came out, you could, and they saw it with their own eyes, you could see the Blessed Mother Hugging John Paul. And the nun sent a picture to Rome and said, Do you know this? And Rome, wherever the officials were in the Vatican, wrote back, Yeah, this happens all the time. This is my point. The Divine Mother is not just some vague energy. When we devote and commit ourselves to the Divine Mother, she becomes in person a force in our lives. And if you're, let's say, if you're a Catholic Christian, Orthodox Christian, it will probably be Mary the Blessed Mother, and yoga, we also stress Ananda Morya Ma, the great saint, again, from the 20th century. They become a real living presence in our lives. So I don't want you to see it as just some sort of archetypal energy. The Divine Mother becomes embodied in these great souls, and it is as close to us as our devotion is to them. So this is what Yogananda says... The Divine Mother is not a small stream that can be exhausted after a short time. She is an inexhaustible ocean capable of satisfying the thirst of all human beings for all time. Her love is eternal, always fresh and ever new. Her love gives life to every soul, and, has the, and every soul has the potential to experience her love if that soul is willing to open herself to receive it. Continued quote from Yogananda. The mercy of the Divine Mother is like a river of grace that flows continuously upon the devotee. I'll share you a story that Richard Rohr shared with me many, many years ago. There was a period of time that he was a, uh, a priest in a prison. He was a prison chaplain on weekends. And he always told me, now he worked with hardened criminals, hardened men. But what he would say to me, what he said to me, it always uh, caught him by surprise. It always mystified him. He said, whenever Mother's Day was approaching, these hardened men would become soft, and they would beg him, Richard, Father, can you bring me a card that I can send to my mother? I want her to know how much I love her. Would you call my mother for me and tell her I love her? Right? That's what Yogananda is talking about. That's the love of the Divine Mother. It's unconditional. It is sweetness itself. It is a healing balm. I've told this story before. Um, When I was in third grade, I got kicked out of a Catholic school, and the details are not important. (laughs) But it was a long walk home that day. And the first one to greet me was my father. And the first thing he said in typical fatherly fashion, you were a bad boy in school today, weren't you? There'll be consequences. (laughs) My mother gets home. And she said, you know, I never liked that nun in the first place. (laughs) Okay? That's the Divine Mother. So the mercy of the Divine Mother is like a river of grace that flows continuously upon the devotee. It is like a gentle breeze that refreshes the tired and thirsty soul. It is like a warm embrace that comforts and soothes the heart. The Divine Mother's mercy is always available to those who call upon her with devotion and sincerity. It is like a healing balm for the wounded, a light for the lost, and a hope for the hopeless. Her mercy is the power that transforms the ordinary into the extraordinary, the finite into the infinite, and the mortal into the immortal. Let's go back to that story of Jesus. See, any great master really is a synthesis of the masculine and the feminine. We see, that we see both that on display in this story with Jesus. Woman is caught in adultery. I won't get into this, but where was the man? He was caught too, okay? But we won't get into that another talk another time. And according to the law of Moses, she should have been stoned. And they're trying to trap Jesus. And you, his first response, you see the mercy of the Divine Mother. He said, where are your condemners and your accusers? Do they not condemn you? No. Neither do I. You're forgiven. We're letting you up. It's okay. You're free. That's the Divine Mother's love that Yogananda's talking about. He even said at one place, it's almost, he used the word almost, a good thing to really do something wrong so you can have the experience of the Divine Mother's mercy and forgiveness. So, how do we nurture the consciousness of the Divine Mother? First thing is is very practical. I would suggest whether it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, Ananda Moyama, Amma, the great hugging saint, maybe it was your aunt or your grandmother, some figure that embodies this grace of the Divine Mother, and put it on your altar. Put it somewhere where you can see it. And then practice praying to that Divine Mother. There's so many great saints and sages present to us from the other side that we can really form a real actual bond with. It just requires our devotion. And I'll be honest, I've always been more comfortable with the masculine image of God. But as I get older and a bit wiser, more and more I am devoted also to the Divine Mother. I'm just saying it didn't come natural to me, but I've, I've developed it with love. And, and the force of the Divine Mother is becoming more and more palpable in my life. And I don't know how, I don't care how old we are. Don't we always need a mother? Not in a sense that we're going to be childish. But don't we always need a mother's love? Yogananda says that the mother's love is the closest thing to God's love. So just develop a devotion. Find a way to get there that works for you. won't be the same as what works for me, but find a way of getting there for you. And now I have actually two quotes from the Bhagavad Gita that tell us how to do this. With their minds fixed on me, focus on nothing else, engaged in constant worship of me, the Divine Mother, supremely powerful, these devotees are very dear to me. So let me just translate that. The love of the Divine Mother is the purest of the pure love that we could ever imagine, absolutely pure. So what it requires from us is purity. Now purity doesn't mean that we're perfect. Doesn't mean you never sneak a peek at the beach. But purity of heart really means to have a primary will, a primary direction, a primary focus. And the more we focus on God, in the context of tonight's talk, on the Divine Mother, the more it becomes real for us. That's purity of heart, purity of heart. Focusing on God, focusing on the Divine Mother, Purer that is, the more real she becomes. Another quote from the Gita that I'll apply. Those who have taken refuge in me, though they may be sinful, they too shall reach the supreme goal. Therefore, at all times, hold steadfast to devotion. It's not about being perfect. It's about surrendering to the grace of the divine mother. It's taking refuge in her. Her love, her protection, her mercy. There's a wonderful story, Padre Pio, the Catholic saint from the 20th century who had the stigmata, the wounds of Christ for 50 years. He liked to tell this joke. The angel Gabriel comes to Peter. You know, Peter's in the Catholic worldview. He he guards the gate of heaven. He lets people in and keeps them out. And Gabriel looks at Peter and said, Peter, what's the matter? You look really depressed. He, He said, well, you know, I send all these people into hell, and I turn around, and they're in heaven. And Gabriel said, well, how does that happen? I close the door, and the divine mother opens the window in the back, and they sneak in. Okay? That's Divine Mother's love. So take refuge in it. Take refuge in it. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to take refuge in her love. Now I'm going to add one more piece and then I'll close. I want to go back to a line that I read from Yogananda that I said I was going to get back to. Lahiri said to Yogananda, I'm not your guru, but he shall come later. Through his guidance, your experience of the divine in terms of love and devotion shall be translated into his his guru, Sri Yukteswar, his terms of fathomless wisdom. So the ultimate goal is to bring the, the feminine and the masculine together, the divine mother and the divine father together so let me just say it this way wisdom and truth without the divine mother's love is not wisdom and truth it becomes something oppressive the divine mother's love without wisdom and truth ceases to be love it becomes something sentimental so it's always the marriage of these two we see that in the gospel jesus again says to her I'm not condemning you. You're free, that's the Divine Mother's love. But you know it would be smart if you didn't do this anymore. That's the wisdom. So this Divine Mother's grace, it is that energy that creates and sustains life and gives life It expresses itself as intense divine nectar, bliss, joy, love, but it's always directed by wisdom and truth. It's guided by wisdom and truth. And I'll close with this story because it captures the, the, the essence of these two. The first time I went and spent a week with Roy Eugene Davis, who was a direct disciple of Yogananda and who, who ordained me eventually, he was clearly a divine father archetype. Wisdom, wisdom. And his talks were full of wisdom. I remember the first time listening to him just saying, oh, yes, that's wise. Oh, yeah, that's wise. But there was a little something missing And all of a sudden, he stopped. And he started telling stories about Yogananda. And you could just feel his heart just open. And all of a sudden, his wonderful wisdom took on this great love. And it literally sent me into ecstasy. I remember just saying, as he's telling story after story about Yogananda, take me. I'm I'm ready to go. I don't care. That's the bliss I went into because as he was talking about his love for the Guru, the Divine Mother's love was pouring through that Shakti, the Holy Spirit, that Shekinah was flowing through and blessing all of us. Again, we all need a mother. Pray to your mother. Pray for her grace and her protection. And it will come to you, I promise. The divine in me bows before the divine in each one of you. I'll just add just little pieces. I'm getting my notes. Divine Mother's love is very fierce, too, you know. Think of Jesus on the cross. All but one of his male disciples left him. Who was there? His mother and Mary Magdalene. That's why the mother's love is the most perfect love because it is both tender and fierce and strong all at the same time.